I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, episode 53, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to BDA Radio and said we had a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully, they said, we think you have something here. So here we are. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me as always is a veteran of the New England Independent Matt Wars, the irresistible force, the immovable object, the kingpin of Facebook Live, Brian Malonis. And speaking of uh, irresistible force and immovable object, uh, go to my What a Maneuver store and buy uh, uh, one of my one of my new t-shirts. Whatamaneuver.net, Brian. <laughs> yes. You have the propaganda t-shirt yes. for the kingpin Brian Malonis. You didn't design that. I did not. No. I did not. You took me out of the loop on that one. Well, you're, you take forever on your work, so. Well, well speaking <laughs> of t-shirts, we have the uh, Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt available at ProWrestlingTees.com. And Brian, coming up today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the NAI Network, we've got your promo about nothing, and we're going to be talking about trying to make it, our efforts to attempt to get to the next level in the world of professional wrestling. But first, Brian, we are here for the first time via Facebook Live. Yes, and uh, we're getting questions, Mike. Now, you're very animated uh, right now. I'm trying to be. You're very animated. Well, Randall Randall Keo just asked us a question on Facebook Live. Yes. Uh is he always do all this movement when, when you're recording and not in front of the camera? Uh, the answer is yes. Even when we're remote, I can hear you slapping your, your computer desk at times when you're getting <laughs> fired up and you're making points. <laughs> it happens. It happens on occasion. Yes, so as I mentioned, we're on Facebook.com slash the WPAN. And for the first time, we're recording live. We were actually on a little bit before we started recording here, talking to the people. By the time this comes out, we're uh, recording on Saturday afternoon. By the time this comes out on Monday, you can see the video on Facebook.com slash the WPAN. And before we get into our episode, the episode today, we are talking about trying to make it in the professional wrestling business. Brian, whatever that means to us, I yes. think to us, it kind of means perhaps WWE, just a national pro wrestling company and the trials and tribulations, the, the, <laughs> the heartbreak, the heartbreak. And yeah, you said broken hearts and broken dreams should be the name of this episode. And yes. I think it, I think it will be the name of this episode, uh, but we're going to get into all that today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. And it's great to have uh, interact with the people on Facebook Live. We've got a few people in the uh, in the queue now taking a look at us. And yeah, a couple people asking questions, Mike. You want to take a couple sure, questions? Sure, let's uh, do that. Uh, we'll t- well, obviously, we'll talk about it on the podcast. And you'll hear this on the podcast on Monday. But uh, a good friend of ours, St- uh, Stephen Page, wants to know, who is the most overrated wrestler of all time? The most overrated wrestler Ooh. of all time. It's a tough one, huh? I, that's, that's actually pretty easy for me. Okay, go for it. Bret Hart. Wow. Yeah, Bret that's Hart. A, that's for a big me, one. the most overrated wrestler of all time. Why do you say that? I don't know. He just didn't do it for me, buddy. He just didn't do it for me. I thought I thought his best work was when he turned heel with the Hart Foundation uh, at the end there. But 
Uh, he's one of the lowest grossing WWE champions of all time. You have uh, a research w- on that? What's that? You have research on that? I'd like to see I think that. It's pretty pretty widely okay. widely known and accepted. He left right before the boom period, went to WCW and was there for the for the the Swamp song. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I, I think I think Bret Hart. I think Bret Hart during the two boom periods of the eighties, which he was there and, and part of uh, one of the greatest tag teams of all time in the Hart Foundation. Uh and then uh, he missed the Attitude Era, but I think in both those eras he would have slid in nicely on the mid card. Just my opinion. Hmm. Wow. I, I mean, I'm gonna. Also, I've never on a show with Bret Hart. <laughs> Ooh. I'm gonna say something that might be uh, blasphemous to a lot of people, especially down south, Brian. Oh, <laughs> you're gonna upset Mike Mills. Are you about to upset Mike well, Mills? My, Mike Mills, or, or even his uh, his buddy there, he does the podcast with Doc Turner. Um. I mean, I gotta, I gotta say, Ric Flair. I, I, I. Wow. I mean, they say Ric Flair kind of does the same match, and I mean, he has good matches. He has good matches. With a lot of people. I. So let's recap. The last last week. Yes. ECW had a net negative impact on the wrestling business. This week, Ric Flair is the most overrated wrestler of all time. Uh, <laughs> it sounds weird. <laughs> okay, maybe most overrated of all time. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't back off now. <laughs> don't back off now. You, by the way, I did. don't think I didn't notice on the BDA bonus episode, you edited out yourself doubling down on, on the net negative comment for ECW. <laughs> Sometimes I make some uh, creative edits just to... Uh, <laughs> It'll make yourself look better? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, who's Randall saying? Hogan? Oh, Randall, you're fired. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, Randall Keogh. No, absolutely not. No, you don't think he is the most overrated of all time? I mean, uh, he's not really... You know what matters in wrestling, Mike? Yes. The money and the miles, buddy. <laughs> the miles i've never heard that before that's uh that's right, let's, go, let's go to another quick 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 question here uh sure. let's see who's <laughs> also who he is also a black hole of charisma okay i, I uh let's see Bret let's Hart, see. you talking about has I, I thought i saw one uh somebody asked has, has a wrestler ever accidentally hurt me and the answer to that is yes and I, a good <laughs> friend of ours has given me <laughs> severe concussions not once <laughs> But twice. Is it the current one half? <laughs> He's currently one of the half IWGP? of the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions. Warbeard Hansen, uh, very early on in a match in Maine, gave me a spinning heel kick and uh, just wiped me out, blackened my eye, closed it. I uh, went to my real job that week and had to go home back to back days because I was puking. And I oh. kept getting dizzy. I probably shouldn't have driven home <laughs> uh, either of those instances. And then. In another match uh, in Woburn, Massachusetts, I don't know what the year was, but it was for the heavyweight title. We were the main event, and like first first spot of the match, he goes up for up and over. His hand slips off the rope, and I went face first right. So this, this, I'll I'll go with this story, then I'll follow up with another story where I didn't get hurt. <laughs> but uh, so my face went head first right into his ass. Mm. He snapped my head back, and I got another concussion. Match was awful, and that fast forward to a, a triple threat between me. Brian Fury and and uh, Hanson in Littleton, New Hampshire, where Hanson was going to superplex Brian Fury, and I had to get up underneath Hanson and give him a power bomb, and I had his balls <laughs> right in my face. <laughs> so Hanson's ass and balls have both been all over my face. 
<laughs> you like that? There's some people that pay good money for that, Brian. <laughs> you got it for free. So what are you worried about? You got paid to do it. So what are you worried about? <laughs> yes. There's nothing wrong with that. Well, keep us on track here. You're supposed to keep us on track. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll uh, shut down Facebook Live and record the rest of the podcast. Yes. Uh, folks, thank you very much on Facebook Live for checking us out. And please... Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash the WPAN, and check out the podcast this Monday on the NAI Network. Search NAI Network. Search WPAN on any podcast platform. You can find the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed and also the NAI Network feed, and that's where you can find this episode, the WPAN. Thank you very much, guys, on Facebook Live. Really appreciate it, and see if I can shut this down. And we're out. All right, Brian, so trying to make it the broken hearts the broken dreams let's break it all <laughs> really down go with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think so i think so so um you said we talked about this thursday on the bda bonus podcast you thought a couple months in you'd be signed by wwe yeah just not understanding how the whole process worked i was like well i'll go sign up to be a wrestler and i'll i'll be going to wwe that's how it works but it didn't happen <laughs> no no <laughs> it's never happened as a matter of fact Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, well, so what was your first step what, what was the first thing you did to kind of put yourself out there or did you do anything to put yourself out there in front of people that could make those kind of decisions to bring you up uh initially no i didn't <laughs> i didn't do anything um as a matter of fact i i went the opposite way um the first kind of thing i remember with chaotic after i started training was they brought in dr tom pritchard who was heading up heading up developmental for a camp and um i just i don't know i was like afraid and was obviously really out of shape and i didn't go to the camp because I, so i avoided actually putting myself in front of somebody who could make that decision for me it probably was ultimately a wise decision i mean it wouldn't have done anything for me either way either way uh, i mean I, I learning it would have been a good learning experience I, I you know obviously that, that i think that goes without saying but as far as making it or whatever it probably was a great move <laughs> it was probably also represented my low point and this was really early on? Yeah, this was like Cold Fury two times. So you're talking like 2002 sometime in there. Cold Fury being Chaotic's big annual show. Chaotic Wrestling's big annual show. But yeah, that was probably my low point uh, that, there. And, and at, it was around that time I started making you know, a really concerted effort to try to get in better shape, try to actually do something with my wrestling career. Um, I'm still probably over a year away from quitting smoking, but... <laughs> that's good for that it keeps you thin right <laughs> yeah but i had st- you know around that time i started to eat a little better i started to take training more seriously i started working harder and ultimately that's when fat pants and mucko uh, who were the bookers at the time kind of started to get in my corner and trying to push for a spot just to get me on chaotic wrestling shows so so it took you from the day you stepped into the chaotic training center which we actually talked about this past thursday if you want to go check that on bda radio how long did it take you to get on a chaotic wrestling show year and a half maybe and that's kind of long long for, <laughs> yeah 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 so step one is to get onto you know your local shows yeah i i remember it's funny i, I thought i was ready for shows actually i think i've been working other shows and i went to a chaotic show in lawrence and they needed somebody and i remember just being beside myself because they used johnny curtis who is now fandango in wwe <laughs> um but they used him who he wasn't a chaotic student or anything he had no affiliation to the school or chaotic wrestling they used him to fill a spot over me and and but the i think i actually used that as fuel yeah at the, at that point um because i'd already it, it's funny I, I think i had turned around my attitude and my work ethic for months before anybody really started noticing so you got your weight down how how loaded your 
when I first started on shows, I was still probably, I was probably still around maybe, I was probably still a little over four, I, I venture to guess. It wasn't until a little bit after that, um, after I'd been teaming with Peter Malloy for a while, probably in between Cold Furies 3 and 4, where I got my weight down. I, I, again, I was like 480, 485, something like that. And I got all the way down to like the low 300s, like 310 around there. I had no muscle. I was completely deflated. That's, yeah, that's, that, was the, uh, that was the knock on, on the uh, underweight Brian Malone. Yes, and that's when the mind games on my body image really, <laughs> really started. Yeah. No, no, you're saying, oh, God, it really did, though, because yeah. I had lost all this weight. And then all, everybody's shitting on me because I look, you look deflated. You look deflated. When in reality... I should have really kept trying to lose more weight and then worried about putting on muscle. But at that point, I'd start to, okay, well, I got to start putting on weight, put on muscle. So you were just doing cardio and not weight training? I was doing some weight training, but not any like heavy weight training. But when you go from 480 to 310, and it was only like, it was less than a year's time, wow. really, that I, that I went from one to the other. It was a pretty rapid weight loss. I just think because my body was so out of whack that it just... You know, when I when I started eating healthy and going to the gym, I mean, it, it's just like, whoa, what is this? And your body just, you can't possibly ho- maintain that body weight without the sufficient amount of calories and um, sufficient amount of laziness. I mean, at that point, I was going to the gym five or six days a week. I was also wrestling training four or five days a week. So yeah, I got my weight way down. So you got your weight down. And at this point, did you think I'm ready to get in front of some sort of WWE official? Not that, not at that point. It was, it was actually I'd started to put muscle on is when you know. So because I think I for the first time with the TV was like 2004, and it was about that time when I went. Where I, and that's when I had started pushing for them to send me. Them being the people in yeah, charge of chaotic, Jay, Jamie. Because um, at that time they basically would go to chaotic and say, "Give us some guys." Exactly. Yeah, okay. and that was right before um, Nova took over. Uh, Mike Bucci took over developmental. Head of talent relations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I that I started uh, that I started going to TV. The best part after that was uh, Mike Bucci didn't want to. Mike Bucci was really the first guy I would interact with in WWE because uh, before I mean we had Doctor Tom would come in for camps or whatever you know but so I'd interact with him the camps but never on like a business level never on a one on one hey what do I need to do to get here sort of level which was great for chaotic but not so great for the talent. If anybody has a problem with that. Sorry, it is what it is. It's the truth. And I know a lot of people don't like Mike Bucci, but I really liked him and I really respected the fact that um, he wanted to work with me. He wanted to work with Tommaso. He wanted to work with Todd. Like, I'm not just using us as examples, but he wanted to work with guys directly. He didn't want to go through Jamie. He didn't want to go through Hollow. He wanted to, he wanted to talk to us because ultimately we were the guys that he was hiring like so he wanted to deal with us one-on-one and on in a in a business sense so i had pretty regular conversations with him i would say once a month or so uh not a ton of like email communication but phone calls once a month quick phone calls you know five or ten minutes but just kind of updating him on either weight loss or whatever or um and that went on for a little bit He's the one that got Tommaso signed the first time. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah. He did he, a lot of work with Todd. He really pushed Todd to yeah. Yeah. And at that point I still I'd start to get a better understanding of you know what it's going to take to make it cuz one he was pretty honest with me too uh, about yeah. it. He, he thought I had in-ring talent but just needed to can you develop my look? But he also booked me for some TVs, which is 
we talked about it on here. It's like the best, best worst experience of all time because you're so nervous and it's really nerve wracking and at the same. But you're you're when you're where you want to be, but not for the exact reasons you want to be there. You're feeling a part of something, but not really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know, you go to TV on Monday and Tuesday, and then on Wednesday you're back at your shitty job. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I'm back. I'm back pulling dildos (laughs) on on Wednesday afternoon. You know, out of context, that really doesn't work. I worked in a I worked in a sex toy warehouse <laughs> for a, for a number of years as a shoot. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's for real. So I, I I'd be going to TV on Monday, Tuesday, WWE, and then I on Wednesday I'd be walking up and down, pulling dildos out of boxes and putting them in other boxes to ship them to. Okay, put them in another box. Okay, <laughs> putting them in another box. Okay, yes, cardboard boxes. Okay, Mike. yes. Okay. Oh my goodness. But yeah, that's uh, it's really nerve wracking the first time anyway. But then the more times you go, the more it's just like you don't really expect to do much and you kind of reserved <laughs> yeah. the fact that maybe nothing's going to happen so you're a little more comfortable not too comfortable yeah the worst thing is to be too comfortable there at tv yeah but what was your interaction with the uh, i mean you talked about johnny ace john laurinitis before interacting with him and now you spoke to him about possibly something happening, or how did that work? Yeah, so funny. we had a we had a tryout at the chaotic training center. Um, Jesus, I don't even remember what year this was. Now this has got to be 2010, 2011 ish. Before that, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't know time frames here, people. <laughs> did how, how long didn't Kofi just celebrate like nine or ten years in WWE or something? Yeah, Kofi was on the roster though when this happened. Oh, I thought you were talking about. You said that you went to a camp. And I thought you were talking about that original CT. Oh no, I wasn't even talking WWE. about the original. Okay, the, uh, this is a this is a later tryout. So we did have a tryout. Well, okay, okay yeah, well, let's talk about it. We'll, we'll, we'll go in chronological order here, right. Mike. Uh, so we had a, we had a tryout at the at the Catholic Training Center. Um, this is when Mike Bucci was, uh, I believe, Mike Bucci was still heavily involved because he was there at that with uh, Arn Anderson and. I don't think Arn was there. Arn was there. I know Dean Malenko was Fit there. Finley was Fit there. Finley was there. Dean Malenko. Um, Tim Horner. Tim Horner was there. Was there. Yeah, I was just saying it was Tim Horner was there. <laughs> so, and again, I I come a long way with my body. I felt good about my in ring talent, and they put me and Max together. I mean, <sighs> oh, here we go. To properly tell this story, I think I have to tell how Chaotic was trying to form a business relationship with WWE at the time. So, not that they weren't helping us, but they were also doing things that were would serve their personal best interests as well. So when WWE wanted cookie cutter people, that's the people they were trying to produce to WWE. The guys who were cookie cutter. The 6'2", guy, 240. Yeah, the guys who fit the mold, the guys who fit what they were looking for. What I've always needed was somebody to look past that a little bit because even on my best day, uh, it wasn't going to be cookie cutter. Uh, I'm unique. I'm different. I'm a big guy. But I, but I thought and I still think I have some skills that could be valuable to a wrestling company. And that's not being cocky. That's if you don't believe in yourself, why the hell should anybody else believe in you? So we did this tryout. And I, the first instance I remember was we took pictures beforehand for them to have. They wanted you know, good idea what your physique looked like. And I remember <laughs> Jamie, I think Jamie is the one that took the pictures. He took Handsome's picture from like over the stomach up to help protect him. <laughs> And then I asked for the same thing. He told me, no, they want a good idea of what your body looks like. 
So I was very pissed off <laughs> at that at that moment. And this is not meant to be like that, that's not a burn on Jamie or anything. It's just Handsome was a guy they were pushing towards WWE. I was not. So we go into this tryout or whatever, and I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that were there. I'm sure like the Logans were there. I'm sure Chase was there. Put it this way. I was probably not in the freaking top 10 of the guys they were pushing, but because I paid my, was paying my, not paying my dues in the wrestling sense, but like paying my monthly fee to, fee to the, yeah, to the chaotic training center. And because I was a good loyal student, I was allowed to go to this tryout. Um, that's the only reason I was allowed to go to that tryout because I was not going to be a guy they would have pushed heavily to them. And, and that's just the God's honest truth that is not meant as a burial. It's just a, it's just an accurate portrayal of the situation whether people want to acknowledge it, deny it, whatever. It is what it is. Um, so I was wrestling Max Bauer, um, who's been on the show. Yes. Who also was not somebody who they were going to heavily push to WWE. Um, but again, was a... Due to his physique. Yeah, yeah, but also was a valuable member of the chaotic roster. So was allowed to go. But we were put together because we were two guys who... They're not going to be the ones that, when they're going up to talk in the office afterwards, we're not going to be two guys whose names come up for them to push. And that's not why we didn't get signed this day. I, I'm just saying that, that this is why we were put together in the match. So we we get in the ring, and we are the only two guys that they say, guys, take off your shirts. Right then and there, I was like, well, I'm dead in the water. Uh, because now it's about, it's 100% what I look like, and I, I had lost a lot of weight at that point. Right. Uh, I, I was muscular at that point, but I wasn't super muscular. You know, I wasn't a body guy, and obviously I had a, a belly. I was probably like, at that point, I was probably like 330, 340, something along, something along those lines. Max was probably 270, but not super defined, not, chiseled, not, yeah. not super cut. But I to say we were both very good wrestlers, I think, is a fair assessment. And um, the funny thing is that the two of you uh, made the front page of the sports section of the local paper. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. There was a yeah, there's a cameraman there, and they t- and they t- and they took a picture. I was in the photo as well. <laughs> it is currently hanging. I think it's still in the office of the now New England Pro Wrestling Academy in uh, Brian's office. I believe it's hanging on the wall there with the three of us posing together. You you have him in like a, a vice hold or something like that. Yeah. So. Um, going into that day, I was also very nervous, but very excited. And within minutes, I was pretty discouraged and just wanted to go home when we were the only guys they told to take their shirts off. I knew what the deal was immediately. This, it wasn't about, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying we would have got signed off of that because that's not true. We would not have gotten signed that day. But it's pretty disheartening <laughs> when that's the first thing out of their mouth, not okay, let's see these guys work. It's take your shirts off. And I was in a tank top, I'm pretty sure. I was, yeah. in, a, I was in a tank top, I, and I wrestle in a singlet. So the tank top is a pretty close semblance to what I wear in the ring on a regular basis. So that was kind of the first time being, and I remember leaving there that day, just really, really down the dumps, really discouraged. Not because we had a bad match, but because I, I knew there was absolutely nothing positive coming out of that tryout um, for me. And we talked about this recently. I think it was on the BDA bonus podcast. Just the fact that they had this, as you said, cookie cutter. They went 6'2", 240. And if you're not that, you're not getting in, basically. <laughs> it's, it's basically, yeah. It, at that point, at that juncture. Although, to be fair, Kofi's not 6'2", 240. Right. Um, but Kofi was a special athlete and a special person with a special character and absolutely crushed it at the tryout that day and deservedly got a job and has deservedly been there for over a decade now, including developmental. Um, so, I mean, the right guy got signed from that camp. Uh, you know, I think they left behind a guy like Handsome who probably could have and should have gotten hired off of that 
um you know if we're talking um and and and, and handsome did have hollow and jamie really pushing wwe for him at that point and they just wouldn't look past and Todd looked great at that at that point. Yeah. He just he had loose, a little extra belly fat. Yeah, he had belly fat and loose skin around his belly from all the weight he had lost. But he looked great. He did everything that they had asked him to do, and it just wasn't wasn't good enough. So uh, it is what it is. It was, it was. I'm not burying anybody. It just at the time, it, it is it is what it is. So I'd done more TVs, which didn't lead to much. Do you want, do you want to break in at some point with any of your heartbreak? Are you just enjoying? <laughs> you're just enjoying me it's commiserating. I'm, I'm getting the tissues here. It's a <laughs> <laughs> no tissues, buddy. You know the way I get. I get angry. Well, I guess I was kind of like you. I was never really proactive. Um, I mean, not you said not at the beginning, but I don't think I was ever proactive with trying to get signed or anything like that i was kind of you know just sitting back waiting to be discovered <laughs> <laughs> good strategy <laughs> yeah and i mean i did i did the camp i was at that uh dr tom camps um i was at that wwe tryout uh as i mentioned you know in the ring with you and stuff like that but uh you know they, they were never really going there looking for referees no no one's going out of the way saying oh i'm here to scout referees yeah. to be fair i also remember going to tv with both you and fat pants yeah and fat pants would hop right in yeah i mean i was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say that because the time i was probably the closest and by closest i mean like 10 million yards away but the time it was the closest <laughs> to uh, anything happening was it was shortly after earl hebner was let go johnny ace i believe like told jamie hey could you get a couple of referees to come to tv next time we're around so he sent me and Todd Sinclair, Fat Pants, to, to TV. So this is like, oh, okay, maybe something can happen here. Earl Hebner's gone. Maybe they're looking to get some people. I remember... Consequently, probably his son was gone at this point too, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And I remember like uh, Coach, John the Coachman was uh, talking to like Fat Pants. Like, oh, yeah, this, I mean, this is a great time to come in. You know, Earl's gone and, you know, so maybe something will happen for you. So... They do in the afternoons, you would talk about, they do the, um, the stuff where they train in the afternoons in the ring. And myself and Fat Pants got in our, um, not in our referee gear, but workout gear. I remember Todd had on his police uh, synchronicity shirt. <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> the police, the, the group, the police. Oh, okay. <laughs> One of their albums, he had the t-shirt. <laughs> okay. And, and that's what he wore. <laughs> I don't know why that sticks in my head. But I remember just kind of sitting at ringside, um, kind of like frozen like waiting to get called in but i was never going to get called in but the first time that there was a slight opportunity fat pants jumped up and got in the ring so he was in the ring for a few matches that they were just uh, and then there was another kid there who was i think they had put him on the road but he was a wrestler but he was he was a wrestler they uh, set him up as a ref and he was kind of on like a trial basis kind of uh, doing the doing the loop and he he hopped in as well. So I mean, I I I this it's just like a lot of uh, me not seizing the moment is what it comes down to. Like uh, seeing something happening and like, should I go over there? Should I go? You know, should I go ask Arn if I can get in the ring? Should I go do this? And in the end, I don't take the risk. I don't put myself out there, and that's kind of. Uh, a lot of the story of my life, I guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, right there with you, buddy. <laughs> doing this podcast is probably the most I've ever put myself out there. Doing that Facebook Live earlier is probably <laughs> the most I've ever put myself out there. And, it, and it, you it, took four years off your life <laughs> over the stress of that. <laughs> and it, and it, it feel it feels good, but uh, yeah, that's probably the closest I got, and I never got the opportunity to get into a WWE ring. And I've been back a couple times after that, still never. Uh, able to get the ring but that time when they said bring referees send referees to tv uh, and i still 
never got an opportunity to get in the ring and never made it. I should say I never made myself. I never made an opportunity for myself to get in the ring and to be in there. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, Fat Pants didn't get signed either, so. <laughs> you take great solace in that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. You, you, I, I, you know what the funny thing is, too, on, on the because Todd is – freaking amazing referee yeah one of the best in the business one of the best in the world and has been for years and he's a victim of body type as well yeah 100 percent a victim of body type yeah that, that, is, that is definitely true i mean he was he actually uh, attempted to try to get me into roh too todd um i mean so i should definitely shouldn't uh bury him or anything like that because <laughs> he he definitely uh put his put his ass on the line to try to get me a spot in the roh it was still a uh, gabe zapolsky was in charge at the time i guess maybe like 2006 2007 something like that um i mean i would travel to with uh todd this is like months it might have been like up to a year i would travel with todd at least to the shows locally like in jersey uh philadelphia you know obviously the ones in boston and connecticut and stuff like that i would go and i would do the pre-show matches and it, i did that for a long time and i never asked for a bigger opportunity but eventually there was a Boston show. They did it at the uh, Reggie Lewis Center on the BU campus. And the show, I don't even know if they were short a ref or not, but Gabe just decided he was going to book me on the main show. He gave me matches. Like one of the matches was the Briscoes versus Kevin Steen and El Generico. And one of the other matches, I can't remember who it was against, but the, uh, it was Matt Seidel, who was Evan Bourne in WWE. And I remember this match, I talked to them before the match obviously see what was going on and matt seidel told me okay at one point i'm gonna do you know a standing moonsault and it's gonna be one two and it's gonna be you know uh this is my big false this is my big false it's gonna be like i'm gonna kick out right before three but this is my big false just want you to know that it's like okay cool that's fine i've been doing this for a while buddy oh no (laughs) so the match comes uh again i forget who his opponent was but Matt Seidel does the standing moonsault, and it's kind of right near the ropes, almost in the corner. So I can't really slide to get over there like I usually do. So I kind of jump down, and as I, as I go down, my hand hits the mat. So the fans start counting, thinking that's one, but that wasn't one. That was me hitting the mat. So then I go one, and the fans, the entire crowd is saying, two! And then I hit it again, and they say, yeah! No, but that's just two guys. Oh, no. <laughs> this is the big false. <laughs> and remember, this is Matt Seidel's big false finish. And I hit the mat in a way where they thought that was one, then it was two, but no. And so, so it looks like I hit three. And the fans go bananas, but no, it's not. And then the rest of the match, boo, get this ref out of here. This guy oh, sucks. No. <laughs> and... I never really had a conversation with Gabe after that. He did make like a comment saying like, what's going on with the refs tonight? I think something else happened too. It's like, what the hell is going on with the refs tonight? And I was so embarrassed. I was so, I guess, humiliated. I never contacted Gabe again. Goodness. I don't think I've ever heard that story. I never went back. (laughs) Because I before the shows would come around, I would email Gabe and just say, "Hey, I hope it's okay. I'm gonna, you know, come with fat pants, and you know, if there's any opportunities, I'd be really open and happy if, to get them." And you know, Gabe would always say, "Okay, great. It'd be great to have you." And after this show, I mean, I didn't send him anything. They came back at the area. I didn't send anything. Um, 
I, I, I was just, uh, it was one of those things like uh, I've talked about before with the, the women's match that I refereed where, where I screwed up the finish. I was just, yeah, it was like I was beyond distraught. And I was, I didn't want to show my face at ROH again. And I mean, I, I appreciate, I know Todd's probably listening to this. I really appreciate uh, what he did for me to, to get me in front of those guys. And I'm sorry if I let him down. <laughs> I was probably saying this all these years later, but it, that was, I guess that was my biggest shot. And I felt like I blew it and I probably should have just said, Hey, I'm really sorry that it happened. Shit happens. <laughs> yeah. I'm really sorry that happened. I mean, it's an honest mistake. I, I, and you know i'd love to come back again but uh, that's kind of the way i was and i'd like to think it's not the way i am anymore but i mean there's maybe a little bit of that but it it was just the fact that yeah i i didn't want to show my face (laughs) it was it was it was rough so your big return was when you went to Hammerstein for (laughs) yes yeah and i and i introduced myself to uh Carrie Silken, and uh, even though I had uh, you know, <laughs> introduced myself to him before, uh, <laughs> and he said, "Hey, you're that rough that really screwed up that Matt Seidel finish." <laughs> <laughs> but you were a lot thinner back then. I was, <laughs> I was wondering why I came out. I came out, and you had vomit all over you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's my big story, Brian. I, I've I've held that one back. I uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that one before. No, yeah, that was that was my big opportunity to. Uh, to make something of myself it didn't it didn't quite happen but uh what was your big opportunity let's get back to you (laughs) (laughs) yeah you were enjoying that uh yeah so we kind of left off after after that first wwe tryout at the ctc and i continue to do tvs throughout the years and my big thing was always trying to get a week um you know, developmental guys would go down there for a week. Yeah, I know the Arch and who else? Arch and Vicalo? Tommaso. Arch, Arch and Tommaso yeah. went down to Deep South Wrestling, which was <laughs> yeah. infamous, notorious for... Not wrestling, just blow-ups. <laughs> yeah, for like killing guys, yeah. Uh, Bill DeMott was behind that, and I mean, oh, there's a lot of stories about Bill DeMott, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of squats, a lot of that kind of stuff, and not a lot of wrestling, but they went down there for a week. They got their opportunity, but... Uh, that's what you were trying to get for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, I continued to go to TVs and, and then obviously wanted to try to get down for a week, but it just never materialized. And then um, we were having another tryout at the CTC. And at this point, I probably wasn't in a great headspace. I was actually probably about 380. I was probably, probably about the weight I am right now, about like 380. And um, this is with who? This is with John Laurinaitis and Ty Bailey. So they came to the school. It was like it was like a Wednesday morning. Yeah, I wasn't invited. I think I'm trying to think. I don't remember <laughs> being there at all. I don't know. Um, but it, yeah, it was like a Wednesday. Yeah, I remember uh, uh, young Ilya Markopoulos. I think got to go got to go to this. He was like 13 or 14 at the time, <laughs> something like that. Um, so uh, who did I wrestle? I wrestled Brian Fury, and okay. uh, we had a really good match. They didn't tell me to take my shirt off. Woo! And then I found out from Jamie that they really liked me. I was like, wow, oh, okay. Uh, and as luck would have it, the very next week, I was going to Jersey in Pennsylvania, I think in New York or Connecticut or something, for like a three-day little loop there with per pay-per-view Raw and SmackDown, which was with Chase and, and Biff Busick. And um, the pay-per-view, I don't think, I don't think much happened. I, this is actually the same day I met Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> 
this is a pretty good day in my wrestling career. <laughs> um, so we are out by the ring, and this is this this was an epic trip because this is also the infamous Kevin Knight story from Tuesday. Yes, and, and then Mike Kyoto wanted to kick that kid's ass on Tuesday. As we well. talked about that in the uh, which episode was that? Um, the, the one where the WWE about extras, yeah. WWE extras tent, which is really <laughs> early on on the BDA podcast. You can go back and find that in our archives. I think one of our best episodes. Yes. But, so. I'm standing there with Chase and Biff, and John Laurinaitis is just hanging out by himself. By the, I've never, I never had seen it before. He's on his phone, and he's just standing by the ring, just standing there, mm-hmm. just kind of observing what's going on. So I said, "Hey guys, there's Laurinaitis. We should go. We should go say hi." And both of them were like, "No, no, no, we're not doing that." So I said, "I'm gonna go." So it was the first time I'd ever been aggressive in my entire wrestling career with trying to make something happen for myself. So I went over and I said, I don't know if you remember me, but I was at a trial last week and he did remember me. He knew who I was and uh, we had a nice conversation, told me he really liked me. He said, there's room for big guys in wrestling, just not you know, not what I was currently at. He asked me about my family history. He asked me what I could get down to weight-wise um, and said, give me a call when you get around 300 pounds because he told me he really liked me. He really was impressed with the way I could move for a guy my size. And if I lost some weight and got in better shape, that, you know, maybe something could happen for me. Like, that, that, that wasn't me presuming stuff. That was actually words coming out of his mouth at this point. So I was... I like I could have gone home at that point. I didn't even want to go to Tuesday at that point. <laughs> I really didn't. Like if we if yeah, I really didn't even want because there's nothing I could there's nothing I could have gone and done on Tuesday that would have helped that situation because I can't lose seventy you know seventy five pounds or whatever in a day. Right. I mean, you won just basically going and approaching a guy because I remember yeah. there was one time where I was a. Uh, talking to one of the referees who's actually no longer there and I ended up being surrounded by referees and I remember like uh, Brian Fury was there too and like pointed it out the how I was like sitting there hanging out with all the referees chit-chatting but uh, one of the referees was like I asked him like you know how he got his job and he said I just went to Vince McMahon said give me an opportunity this guy approached Vince McMahon <laughs> and said hi I'm a referee all I need is an opportunity to prove to you that I can do this and he said okay I can never imagine <laughs> doing something like that. I can never imagine approaching Vince McMahon. I mean, I couldn't. I approached Vince McMahon one time at TV. We, I think we talked about that, <laughs> we right? We did, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he uh, he was in the ring with you, and you yeah. wanted to say hello. And yes, I was the guy that was on that independent show with you. And he's like, okay, thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, you didn't approach Vince. I mean, you did approach Vince McMahon, but you were talking about approaching. Uh, yeah, in my mind, he was just going to offer me a job, but <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I didn't ask him for an opportunity. So, I mean, that's a good thing. You, As I mentioned, you know, you're proactive. You went and tried to seize an opportunity. Yeah, I flat out asked him, like, what I needed to do uh, because I, I, I told him, like, I, I want to work here. I, I, what do I need to do, you know? Uh, and he, he, you know, again indicated that he thought I was somebody who could work there. I just had to get my weight down. So I stayed in contact. I actually had regular contact, not with uh, with Laurinaitis, but with Ty Bailey. So again, this was another regime in between there. Like after after Mike Bucci, um, Tommy Dreamer took over, and that returned the days of just calling chaotic and jamie up and sending guys rather than talking to individual talent um and then with ty bailey coming in it returned to the days of talking to the talent which i was a big fan of because again i wanted to talk to myself because i knew that i wasn't going to be the guy that i i mean i'm certainly if i got close i think chaotic was happy to they never were ashamed of me but i wasn't going to be the guy they were going to put in the forefront that they were pushing to to wwe 
So I had regular contact with Ty Bailey, regular email contact, a couple phone conversations. I, I was also sending emails to Laurenitis, but he didn't return any emails. I was just always Ty Bailey <laughs> returning the emails. So um, I worked my ass off. At the same time, um, I got invited to be part of the Super 8 tournament, which we've, which we've joked about before. So I kind of had... Like it felt like stuff started it was starting to happen for me because Super Eight was good visibility. I'm talking to WWE; they're interested in hearing about you know, am I losing weight? How's that going? So now I don't know how many months later, but they're back around for another loop in the area. I've got my weight down to I'm about three ten, but a much different three ten than the last time I had been there because I'm three ten and muscular. And if if you kind of need a point of reference, there's some pictures I have on my Facebook page um, from the Super Eight of that year um and so i was in pretty good shape was this <laughs> yeah. when you and max were doing px90 p90x P- yeah that's the one p90x jesus yeah p90x yeah and i lost i lost like 80 pounds on it 75 80 pounds on it and i was probably in the best shape of my entire life and um i went to tv and went another three days and nothing happened on sunday uh, Max was with us, and then nothing happened on Monday. So I'm kind of a big no-no is approaching people and catering. Mm-hmm. Um, but after two days of not having any visibility or any conversations, I just said, fuck it. And I was going to approach Laurenitis and catering when I saw him. Um, this was in Bridgeport, Connecticut. So by you saying nothing happened Monday, nothing happened Tuesday, you mean they went we, around? We, yeah, we didn't change, and there was I never there never was an opportunity for me to go up to him okay. to, to say hello. Um, he either wasn't around or was with you know their talent or producing something or there just there was not an opportunity because at that point I just didn't care. I was looking for the opportunity. I was it wasn't even me being reserved at that point. It was just. You know, I wasn't going to be the asshole that goes and interrupts him talking to fucking somebody who's going to go on pay-per-view or live Monday Night Raw. You know, that's clearly more important than whatever business. That 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 that's the type of stuff that will get you heat. That's that stuff that'll get you in trouble. You know, you got to find your pick your spots and then put yourself out there. So I just said the hell with it. I'm just going to do. I know it's a no-no, but I'm going to do it in catering. And so I did. I approached him. I said, "Hi, John. I you know I don't know if you remember me." But we spoke, and you said to let you know, you know, get back with you when I got my weight down. I told him what my weight was at, and you know, I won't do the John Laurinaitis voice, but he goes, "Hey, kid." Yeah, he goes, "That's great. Uh, we'll see what you have in the ring tomorrow." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so you said this is this is Monday or Tuesday? I thought you said this, this is Monday. This okay, is Monday. Af- this is Monday, like right before the show's going live. Right. So Tuesday was in Manchester, my my hometown. <laughs> um and uh home of bda radio yes yes um so I, yeah i'll leave names out of this Uh-oh. so they set up matches and um the person i got paired with i was less than happy about he was a contracted talent right no he wasn't no okay. oh god no okay um, <laughs> <laughs> i would think of a different situation he he was a fellow who was at tv just like me like an extra although he thought it was wise to maybe take some backstage pictures of himself and that sort of stuff and uh so we get in the ring and start having our match and it's just not going well get out of the ring and i pretty much wanted to just go crawl in a garbage can um max was also there and he was scheduled to wrestle the same guy because there wasn't enough to like pair everybody off so like somebody's gonna have to go twice now the good thing is this guy that i wrestled went to get in the ring with max and jamie noble told him no 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 why don't you sit this one out and said big man why don't you get in there so i was like oh thank god at least at least he realized what was happening yeah and there and me and max you know had a really good tryout match laurenitis wasn't out there for it 
I don't remember who else was out there for it. There was a couple of, I um, remember Cody Rhodes was out there for it. Mark Henry was out there for it. Uh, Kofi was out there for it. Some of the talent was. Um, I only say that because I remember specifically talking to these guys after um, I talked to Kofi, and then Kofi had kind of pulled in Cody Rhodes, and then I saw, I'd seen Mark Henry watching, and I, ta- and I just took it upon myself to talk to him. But they were doing this weird thing of like doing these evaluations of, um, I don't know, of the guys. Like a one sheet, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so they were supposed to get together with each one of us to go over that. And which just, is better than it used to be, which is they just Well, say, in theory, Mike. <laughs> okay. In theory. And um, so at the end of the night, or, you know, after the matches or whatever, they, like, they told like Jamie Noble, who was like in charge of running the extras or whatever, told us it was a good match or whatever, and make sure, you know, none of us leave. All the extras are there. Don't leave until I come talk to you because, you know, and told us, yeah, they like do the paperwork or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he doing whatever, doing whatever, doing whatever. And then at the end of the night, SmackDown's over and he's walking out. He goes, guys, I'll catch you next time. Walks out of the building. And uh, I'm just left there. Yeah. <laughs> Take a Mike Hollow phrase. Standing there with my dick in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so freaking discouraged and just... Um, this it it does it takes a mental toll on you all this stuff because I had such high hopes here I was so proud of um, everything I had done and I had been in contact with them and I was actually on the radar for the first and only time of my entire career yeah and um, to kind of have it fall short like that and not not even fall short just nothing literally nothing happened like it's like and he didn't even do the paperwork so it's it's like I was never even there um. Is just completely discouraging because I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it wasn't. Oh, I didn't get a chance to do the paperwork with them. I'm sure it was. Oh, these fucking guys never got with me to do my paperwork. You know, I'm sure it was something along those lines. So we did another TV. I went with Max and um, Brian Fury, and actually Max ended up getting a match. Um, you know, I was still a TV in, match. Yeah, no, no, not TV match. A dark match okay. against Percy Watson. This is when like they pulled us. They pulled all three of us, and they chose one of us and. Um, this is in front of the crowd yeah the match was in front of the crowd yeah but they pulled the three of us out and like evaluated which one they wanted to have do the dark match yeah and um i I, I was ecstatic for max it also was heartbreaking at the same time and that's when i really started to have some mixed feelings about like how like i I don't know if i want to do this anymore because like my best friend at the time is getting a chance of a lifetime and i i'm sitting here like heartbroken because I feel like I'm running out of time and like it didn't happen for me that time. So that was a long ride home, <laughs> you know, in, in a snowstorm. And then I really had uh, gained some weight. It's funny. I was at, I had no intentions of trying to go back to TV at that point. I'd kind of made up my mind. Like I'm, I'm done with this. This is a waste of time, not wrestling, but going to the TVs. And I was actually at the emergency room with my dad. My dad had had, had a lot of health problems at the end of his life. Well, mm-hmm. So this was a routine thing. So when I say like I took a call when we were in the emergency room with my dad, it's not like my dad was like on death's door. This was like a routine thing. We had to always, always had to bring him into the emergency room. Um, so I get a call from the lady who was booking talent at the time that he needed multiple extras to go to Connecticut. You were part of this. We told this story. You were there for this match. <laughs> this is at Mohegan Sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. And... Uh, I was so conflicted. Like she's talking to me, talking me through it, and then I was like, okay, like I didn't really want to do it. I didn't tan. I didn't put any on any tanning lotion. I didn't care. Um, we went and we had matches in the afternoon, and for the second time in my life, Dean Malenko 
goes to me and the person I'm wrestling, which happens to be Warbeard Hansen this time. He goes, shirts off, guys. Why? Why have us wrestle then? This is a waste of time, clearly. So we had a good match, a really good match. Um, Goldust had pulled us aside afterwards and told us it was a really good match. Uh, there was a couple guys who were pretty terrible there who had just got a week in Tampa because they knew somebody. Um, do, you remember, do you remember this match? It got stopped. Yes. It got stopped by Triple H <laughs> because it was getting dangerous. And um, that was the last time I ever went to TV. And I was just completely beaten down, broken down, discouraged, just mentally worn out from feeling like... Um, Feeling like I was good enough to have an opportunity. I'm not saying I, I would have been a big star or anything like that. Please don't take this the wrong way. This we're trying to. I'm trying to give the accurate portrayal of the ups and downs of trying to capture your dream, not just the going to work indie shows, but the actual part where you go and try to pursue it and you try to work with, in this case, WWE. And um, yeah, I was just I was done with it. I was so friggin' I regretted. Um, I regretted going to that TV. I didn't want to go to it. I wish I hadn't gone to it. I was miserable that entire time, the rest of the night. I didn't want to be there. Um, you know, the next day I had to go to work anyways. So drive home from Connecticut after that horrible experience. Go pull dildos the next day. <laughs> yeah. No, at that point I had moved up. I think I was, I think I was the manager at that point. All right. <laughs> but, um, you bought the dildos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's about the time too. Um, we, Steph had gotten pregnant with Kirsten and I actually made the decision at that point that I'm done with trying to make it in wrestling. I will just live out the rest of my wrestling experience as a once a month guy for chaotic wrestling. And that'll be, that'll be the end of it because I was just completely distraught. Um, I mean, to be full, full disclosure, there were, there were times I cried my eyes out. There were times I was sick to my stomach. Um, uh, the body image stuff is um, just—I I mean, I, I look at—I look back at the pictures now, and I'm like, "Wow, I was actually in pretty good shape." But the funny thing is, I felt at 310 in the shape I was in. Um, I felt the very same as I did um, recently when my weight got really high. I felt exactly the same. I'm just a fat piece of crap, and you know, you just have a really poor self-image because it's never it's never good enough it's never good enough it's never good enough it's never good enough and that's not that's not on, that's that's on me that's not that's on me that's not on anybody else but me to say you know not having the confidence in myself to say hey look how far you've come you did a great job like you know that's just mentally like when you're when you when you're focused so hard on something you really want something so badly and you've put so much time energy and effort into it it's heartbreaking when it when it doesn't happen so but hey, hopefully my my story still will have a happy ending. Yeah, because so what, yeah. yeah. So what made you decide after you've said I'm done, I'm done, I'm done? What made you decide to actually take the step to go to that ROH camp? Well, it kind of started with the break from chaotic wrestling. I, I, fuck it, I don't care. I'll just reveal it. What happened? So I was kind of told by chaotic that uh, they were gonna stop like featuring me that i was gonna i was gonna just manage davy and be a once in a while performer as a wrestler and that really pissed me off like beyond belief and um so that began like the the kind of rocky relationship i started to have with chaotic to which i don't i mean i'm back working there but it's still not the same i don't know if it's ever been fully repaired <laughs> um but i tend to operate better when i have a huge chip on my shoulder and it's funny, the picture came up this week on Facebook. We went to NXT, 
which was a podcast episode we talked about. Yeah, like going really to, early on episode going, two, I yeah. think. And um, being in that building and seeing Biff and Tommaso and I don't know, it like it made all those old feelings kind of I don't think they ever went away. I just think I buried them, which I do very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Um, and it just got that fire in my belly again. And that's the alpha of that night was the moment I said, I, I just want to give it one more. I want to try to, I want to try to do something with this. I want to try to uh, not right wrongs, but just, you know, show people I'm not done. Show people I, I that maybe I am, you know, uh, maybe I am as talented as I like to think I am. <laughs> um, so I had made the decision then to start trying to lose weight again, trying to get in better shape, go to that uh, Ring of Honor camp. And my mindset going into that camp was very different than any other tryout. All the other ones, I was trying to be something I wasn't and trying to be somebody I wasn't and trying to be what I what thought. What you thought they wanted. Yeah. And I just said, I'm just going to go be myself. And no matter what, when I come out of this tryout, I'll be proud of myself because I, I'll either make something of myself or I will go down in flames, but I will be myself. Um, and Todd, uh, I owe so much to Todd. No matter what happens from here on out, I, I owe so much to Todd. Todd for, Sinclair. Todd Sinclair, yeah, for coaching me through that experience and, and helping me get ready for it mentally, phys- you know, um, and what things I might need to do physically there. And um, I had a really good tryout. Um, I had a really good showing. And that's how I got my spot in the top prospect tournament. To which, again, the ups and downs. I was less than pleased with my first round match. I mean, I don't think it was bad. It just was, was not what I wanted it to be. But then I think I went out and redeemed myself um, with Josh Woods in New York City. And I created another opportunity for myself. And and I still think I got a lot left, buddy. I still think I have. Uh, I still think there's a, a good portion of my story to be written. You haven't seen the last of me in a Ring of Honor ring, you know. So we'll see what happens. But uh, there's a lot of ups and downs and large gaps in times. With uh, the passion has never went away, but just the ability to deal with the kind of. We, it's funny. We, I joked about the broken hearts, broken dreams. It really is heartbreaking at times, um, especially when you feel like. You're so close, and then you realize how far you are away. So, um, so we're yeah. not we're not ending this blubbering. No, no, I am in a good place mentally. I I I'm an okay place physically. <laughs> I'm a little beat up these days, but because I'm wrestling every weekend, usually a couple times, and uh, I've had opportunities to Ring of Honor, and and I I'll have future opportunities with them, and I'm excited, man. I I feel like I'm I feel like I'm 25 again as far as like mentality wise, like uh, being you know wanting to go for it and and see what happens, and I'm fired up and again, and and I'll mention them again. Um, I can't thank them enough because. I wouldn't even have had the opportunity to get in the tournament if it wasn't for Todd Sinclair. And, you know, that's, we don't, even even lately, we don't talk all the time, but he is somebody who's a true friend. And um, that's that's when you find out, you know, you find out who really your friends are. And, and I don't know, I just feel like I owe him so much. And, 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 and not just for recent, but taking a chance on me, putting me on shows initially, um, just so much throughout my career, but, you know, especially lately. And, 
I don't know. I'm in a good space right now, man. And it was tough, a little bit tough to talk about some of those parts. Right. I, I definitely edited myself at some parts. You're probably going to edit some more <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> when you cut some stuff down. Um, if I hurt anybody's feelings, I'm sorry. That's my take on the situation. And I will fully admit there's three sides to every story. This is not a burial of anybody. This is just my tale and me telling it and your tale and you telling it. So, you know, it's my perception of the truth, I guess. So your story is not over. No, my story hopefully has a lot left to go, buddy. All right, and that's fantastic. I really appreciate uh, you sharing, Brian, your story as you know all the ups and downs. And I hope you guys. God, this went long. I <laughs> <laughs> hope you guys out there appreciate it too. Give us your feedback. Let us know at the WPAN on Twitter. Give us your take. The, fa- the whole, I just was the fact that because a lot of people get real bitter, and I, God, I hope I didn't sound bitter because I'm really not. I'm not bitter. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm happy where where I'm at and, and where I think I'm going. So for two of us to kind of come out on the other end, not bitter, still love professional wrestling just in general to do this podcast, I think we're the exception because a lot of guys get real bitter and just want to blame the business and blame everybody else and blah, 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 blah. And, and that's not what, I, you know, I, I, I hope it came across that I, you know, I've taken personal responsibility for the, for the situations I, I took and didn't take and that I genuinely still love professional wrestling and I want to be part of wrestling for a long time to come. Uh, and yeah. That's all. I just don't want. I hope, I hope we didn't come across bitter. No, I don't. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. And uh, let us know. Actually, Merv Griffin time is coming this Thursday on the BDA Bonus Podcast. Every Thursday we do this other podcast. It's new, unique content exclusively for BDA Radio. A different topic every week, voted on by our listeners and followers at the WPAN on Twitter. And you can get these BDA Bonus episodes plus the first thirty-eight episodes of this podcast right here on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed on your favorite podcast platform, or you can just see it at bdaradio.com. A way you can interact with us right here on the New Age Insiders Network, Brian, is through our voicemail line. Of course, there's the contest is over, but we want to hear from you. Get your voicemails in. We will play them on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That is 401-584-WPAN. And we do have a voicemail, Brian. All right. All right. And Kingpin, we just talked about the this gentleman, the subject of this voicemail. So let's uh, take a listen right here. Oh, boy. Hey, Kingpin, Rock Socks. This is Mike's favorite best friend, John Morse, checking in. I found a new Twitter handle that we need to promote for Win a Date with Todd Sinclair, at Date Sinclair. So let's let's give back. All right. Let's give back to our friend Todd Sinclair, who's done a bunch for you. <laughs> He's done a bunch for me back in the day. Let's get a Todd Sinclair a date. At Date Sinclair is the Twitter handle. <laughs> I think this was a, the Twitter handle from like way back when they first oh, did this it really? thing. It might have been actually created by uh, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> but uh, at Date Sinclair. And uh, if you want a date, the one and only Todd Sinclair, let us know. At the WPAN. We want to be a part of it. You're still going with this, huh? Yes, we want to give back. We want to give back to the guy that's given us so much. So thank you very much, John Morse, for your voicemail. And thank you very much, Todd Sinclair. We really appreciate your contributions to the podcast. So call right now before you forget and become a part of the wrestling podcast about nothing. 401-584-9726. Okay, Brian, it is time for your promo about nothing but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean, BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Broke Dash's Appearance? 
Okay. <laughs> yes, the Revival's Dash Wilder's face was broken in his final weekend with NXT, and now his next Raw appearance could be months away. But BDA doesn't mean that because that made absolutely no sense. Uh, so what BDA Radio really means is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. No flips, just fun at BDARadio.com. Okay. Okay, Brian. <laughs> it is time for this week's promo about nothing. April of 1990, my friend. International Championship Wrestling ICW out of the Northeast, the Savoldi's promotion, Brian. It's going to be a good one, I think. And we've done this before, and she's back again. Donna from the Teen Report is giving out the Wrestler of the Month Award, Brian. Who? <laughs> Donna. Who? <laughs> Donna. And this month's recipient is the one, the only, Super Dupe. Super Mario! Let's take a listen. Hey, I'm Donna, and I'm your hostess for the ICW Teen Report. And the man that you've chosen to be Wrestler of the Month for April 1990 is Super Duper Mario. I'm so excited and happy to be here with you and to be voted the Wrestler of the Month in the ICW. It's nice to be here with you, sweetheart. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Oh, it's my pleasure. I enjoy it all the time. I want to wave hello to Giuseppe and the mama back home and a little Luigi. I'm so happy. How does it feel to be chosen Wrestler of the Month? Oh, it's a great feeling because all the little kitties who I love so much are voted for me and this is a very exciting I'm a so I'm so happy I'm a touched have you been getting a lot of fan letters oh it's a tremendous all the little bambinos and bambinos they write into me I'm a trying to read them all and it's a not too easy because I don't read the English too good yet but I'm a getting there I'm a having a fun and I'm a trying I have a letter here from Michael Dalgas who writes in and he wants to know what your future plans are for the ICW well, I'm hoping that just to keep a coming to the ICW and winning a couple of the matches and maybe later on down the line, maybe get it to wrestle with Tony Atlas, the champion. Uh, this is something I hope to do, make a mama proud. Yeah. I have another letter from Janet Wynnum, and she writes in, and she wants to know what you like to do in your spare time. Well, I like to play a little bit of the video games. I like to visit, <laughs> play with the games, visit the little kitties. Yeah, stuff like that. Just keep it busy. Do you have the Nintendo? game that you have? Oh, absolutely. I play all the time. Actually, I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. And what else do you like to do in your spare time besides wrestling any other sport? Yeah, I like to play a little bit of the soccer. I'm quite athletic, believe it or not. I'm a good swimmer. I fall down a lot in the woods. It's good. Have a fun. All right. Well, we're almost out of time, but thanks a lot well, for stopping. It's a bigger pleasure to be here with mm -hmm. you, Don. I'm so happy. Hi, kitties. Come back and visit I us soon. I certainly will. Anytime soon. Uh, and congratulations on being chosen. All right, two observations, Mike, coming okay. out of this. First of all, did she say Mike Crockett? Is that who that letter was from? No, Super no, no, Mario? no, no. It was Michael something. Begin with the D. Uh, it sounded like Michael Crockett. No, no, no. It wasn't me. And second of all, I, uh, you know, I don't think Super Duper Mario was really from Italy because he referred to it 
uh, the game where you kick around the the ball as soccer, not football. Yeah. Wow, you broke <laughs> you yeah. broke it wide open, Brian. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe he's not really from Italy. Wow. You find, you crack the case. <laughs> you crack the case. <laughs> this is Soup Dupe Mario. <laughs> I'm Donna from is that, is, that, is that Donna Savoldi? <laughs> I'm guessing it has to be. There's no way it's not. <laughs> yeah, this, so this guy is a takeoff, a guess of Super Mario. Oh, uh, this is garbage. You know, <laughs> you know the funny thing about this is that there was a Super Mario in Memphis. So uh, there was already a Super Mario down in Memphis. So this is Super Duper Mario. So this guy's <laughs> much better. He likes to play the video games. <laughs> Do you have your Nintendo game? <laughs> you know, you know how he turned heel, Mike. How did he turn little, heel? Little uh, fingertips under the chin, huh? Little, uh, <laughs> right there. Huh? I thought he was just hurling fireballs at guys. <laughs> Wouldn't that that'd be great if he turned heel and started throwing <laughs> fireballs? It'd be amazing. <laughs> Like <laughs> now, do you think? Do you think how about how about how about if he feuded with uh, Tommy Rich when he was when Tommy Rich was with the Full Blooded Italians? Wow. That would have been good, huh? Where's my pizza? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! This yeah, Donna is a a wealth of of comedy, a wealth of uh, entertainment. <laughs> and Super Duper Mario. Breaking news, folks. Breaking right here on the WPAN. <laughs> he may not be Italian. The Kingpin has figured it all out. I know. I mean, he, he almost had me when he was talking about Giuseppe and Luigi, but uh, I don't know. that that <laughs> Calling it soccer, that's uh, a dead giveaway. That's, yeah. Oh, my it's God. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for that, it would have been completely believable. Oh, thank God it's not 1990 anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine what horrendous wrestling gimmick I would have gotten in like the early 90s i mean brian buffet was bad enough but i can't i can't imagine what like i don't know it would it would have probably somehow been worse all right you've heard this promo about nothing if you want the full picture find the link to the video in the description of this episode on the nai network okay brian you are hitting the highways and byways crisscrossing this great nation of ours plying your trade as a professional wrestler dates Yes, I'll rip right through these, Mike. This Friday night, Lawrence, Massachusetts, Chaotic Wrestling. Go to chaoticwrestling.com for details. Top Row Promotion, Saturday night, April the 29th yes. uh, in Wareham, Massachusetts at the YMCA. Brownpapertickets.com. Find Top Row Promotions on Facebook. And then Sunday, Beyond Wrestling at the Aurora Providence. Go to beyondwrestlingonline.com for tickets. Uh, usually sells out at the Aurora Small Venue. Uh, May 6th, I return to Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling. Oh. Find Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling uh, on Facebook for all the details. May the 13th, UFO Wrestling in Dorchester at the Beantown Athletic Club. Special bell time of 5 p.m. Find UFO Wrestling on Facebook. And then finally, May 19th, Chaotic Wrestling returns to Woburn, chaoticwrestling.com for tickets. And then a huge uh, back-to-back show Saturday and Sunday, Beyond Wrestling. Saturday, uh, the May the 20th is in Somerville. And the 21st, we are in Worcester, beyondwrestlingonline.com for tickets and info. A weekend in Massachusetts for Beyond Wrestling. Yes. All right. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I got, buddy. All right. So if you want to book the Kingpin... 
Brian Malonis at Comcast.net is the email. You can DM him at Brian Malonis on Twitter. All right, before we get out of here, I want to say really quick, check out Book in the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast with our friend Mike Mills. Sunday, they do the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursdays, they do their original show, and they're talking about World Championship Wrestling, the old Saturday 605 show. Find them wherever you get your podcasts. Book in the Territory. Go to MikeMills.Podbean.com. Check in the boots. Check out Tony and Chip. Referee Tony S., Chip K. Fabe, they are every place that podcasts are. Wherever there's podcasts, you'll find Check in the Boots. Check them out every Sunday for their podcast. And, of course, we hope you continue to listen to the NAI Network all week long. you got DC and Doc Talk, The Pipe Bomb with McCool and Company, Rant with Ant, Late Night Liam, Indie Pop, and eventually, I suppose, The Inside Perspective with our friend Scotty Slate. And if you want to support our efforts, the best way to do so is buying our t-shirt. Pick up the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash newageinsiders or visit facebook.com slash the WPAN and hit that big blue shop now button. It will take you directly to our shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. We'd really appreciate your support. Thank you very much for everyone who has done that already. We are back on Thursday with the WPAN BDA bonus podcast. And we could tell you right now, we will have the Dirt Sheet Shuffle this Thursday on the BDA bonus podcast. So check that out by searching WPAN on your favorite podcatcher or you can go to BDARadio.com. Then join us next Next Monday here on the NAI Network for episode 54 of the WPAN. Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko and thanks for nothing. <laughs>